Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Tuesday, December 29th, 2015. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, the only union screen printer in Boston. Go to beantownathletics.com right now. That's beantownathletics.com or give them a call at 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. Beantown Athletics is also home of the very best skate shopping in New England. So grab your skates, swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester, plenty of parking out back, and make sure you tell them I sent you. Once again, the website is beantownathletics.com. So week 16 in the NFL, officially in the books. Last night on Monday Night Football, the Denver Broncos defeated the Cincinnati Bengals 20-17 in Overtime, I'm going to break down this game, take a look at the playoff picture in the NFL now that Week 16 is completely over as we look forward to a huge Week 17 with some major playoff implications. I'll take a look at that. I'll also talk about some of the other stories in the NFL today, the Peyton Manning, HGH story, Al Jazeera is firing back. Uh, We got a Johnny Manziel story, believe it or not, and we probably shouldn't, but we have one. I'll mention that. College football playoff lines are out. Uh, The spreads for this game, uh, these games on New Year's Eve, Oklahoma, Clemson, Alabama, Michigan State, those spreads are out. I'll give you those. There is one surprising spread that I'll mention. And Major League Baseball, a major trade was made yesterday. But uh, let's begin here as we finish Week 16. And actually, before I do that, got to mention here in Boston, snow on the ground. You know, I know I there are people that listen to this show that are not in Boston, that are not even from New England. And the one, I guess, good part that of this winter that we've had here in this area the last month or so, last two months, is that we haven't had much cold weather. We haven't had any snow whatsoever. But here we are today. I think we jinxed it because we had the holiday weekend. We had Christmas. I mean, we I did Christmas in Southie this year, and... I, I tweeted stuff out. I even put an Instagram picture out. I mean, we were outside all day. Uh, we, most, we, we were on the back porch drinking outside at my parents' house all, all day. It was that warm out on Christmas. And I tweeted, you know, I can get used to this. On Christmas, I can. I know people say they want a white Christmas. They want it to feel like the holiday season. I won't lie. Because it was so warm, because we were outside drinking, because it felt like you were at a cookout, not a Christmas party, it it, it took a little bit away from the holiday season feel. It really did. But I don't know that I complained about that, Uh, especially now today where we go outside and it's cold and the snow on the ground and we got to go shovel and put some rock salt out. Uh, And my feet are still wet as I sit here and record this podcast today inside the Beantown Athletic Studio. And I look outside to slush and a mess outside. You know, I'm, I'm not complaining about the warm weather that we had during Christmas. But I will always say this. You know, there's a reason why when we get to springtime here in New England, when we get baseball, there's a reason why that feels so good. And I think it's because... You get some of this nasty weather. We get some of this cold weather in a, in the winter. Some years it's worse than others. Like, 
last year, for instance. I mean, we had a decently warm November, December, even, I think, some of January last year. And what was it? Mid-January, end of January, into through February, it was like we got clobbered. We got crushed over the head with snowstorm after snowstorm. And, and I'll never forget it, really, because we, had, we were building this studio, and we were just launching this rebranded podcast. Now, this isn't a new podcast. I've been doing this podcast every day since my senior year in college, 2006-2007. But, you know, we have this brand new studio here in, inside of Beantown Athletics in, here in Dorchester, which I gave you the read at the beginning of the show. But, you know, we built this from scratch, took a wall down, put a new wall, made the room a little bigger, state-of-the-art equipment, uh, customized desk, customized look, customized feel to it, windows right on Granite Avenue, Dorchester, um, which is a huge street right off the highway. And, and when we launched the show, literally the first week, I had to stay uh, at one of my buddy's places here in Dorchester because I couldn't get back to Salty. The storm was that bad, and we kept getting hit over the head with the new storm like every third or fourth day, and it was just chaos, and it turned out to be one of the craziest winters because of that that we've ever had. So I'll always put the beginning of, of this rebranded podcast in this studio. I'll always combine those memories with last year's snowstorm, but... You know, I hope that we don't get snow as bad as we did last year. But even if we do, I always say this. I think we need some nasty weather in the winter to make us appreciate the springtime and the summertime a little bit more here in New England. I do. That's the way I feel. I think there's a reason why I love summertime, why we love, you know, that first sort of warm day in April where... It's not really warm enough to be outside in shorts and, and to be getting your car washed and be outside with music blasting, you know, um, putting the armor all on your leather seats. Like, it's not that warm, okay? Put some pants on, put a sweatshirt on. Uh, you know, you can wash your car in a month. It's not that warm. But still, we do it. People do it. And they do it because... You just spent the last couple months shoveling or staying inside, shivering, you know, making sure the heat bill isn't going too high, so so it's still pretty cold. You need some of the colder, nasty winter weather, I think, to appreciate some of the great weather we get in the spring and the summertime here in New England. So, um, while I don't really like the snow, I don't like the shovel, I don't like being cold, I, I, I think we need it. I do. I think it it brings us down to earth. And of course, today I do this podcast as I look out the windows with some snow and some slush and some nasty stuff on the ground. It is certainly not as warm as it was over the weekend for Christmas. And I think we sort of jinxed ourselves with that. So uh, moving on from the weather last night with the heat blasting inside and, and the cold coming into the New England area. We were paying attention to Monday Night Football because playoff implications, Denver, Cincinnati, they're both in the AFC. If the playoffs began today with Denver's win last night in overtime, here's how the AFC looks. The Patriots are still the one seed because they're 12-3. and three. They have the most wins in the conference. The Broncos, with this win, they bounce up back into that number two seed, into that first round by spot with an 11-4 and four record meaning the Bengals are back down in number three at 11-4. and four. The Texans 
are at number four, the number four seed, and they're going to stay there at eight and seven because it's going to take way too much for Indianapolis. I mean, Indy's still alive. They're still alive mathematically, but realistically, they're not really alive. Houston, uh, you look at what they have upcoming on Sunday. They're playing against Jacksonville at one. You know, Houston, can, can they control their own destiny, really, but even if they don't win that game, I still just think too much needs to happen for Indianapolis to get in, and that's the only way they can get in is win the division. So I think Houston is going to remain in that four seed. Kansas City, uh, they you look at them, they have clinched a playoff spot. Um, they can cl- they can actually clinch their division with a win over Oakland on Sunday at 425 and a Denver loss to San Diego. I don't think Denver's going to lose to San Diego because Denver needs to play all their guys. They do. Because Denver, forget about clinching the division. They control their own destiny, not just for the division. They win, they win the division. But also, they control their own destiny with the first-round bye. If they win, beat San Diego, they get a first-round bye. Um... And actually, they still have a shot to clinch the one seed with a win over San Diego and a Patriots loss in Miami. The Patriots can clinch the number one seed with a win. The Patriots are not, or or, or with a Denver loss. But I think Denver's going to beat San Diego. Still, I think the Patriots are going to beat the Dolphins in Miami. There's no reason to think why the Patriots wouldn't do that. So I, I do think the Patriots will, will remain the one seed I think Denver will win, remain the two seed. Cincinnati will remain the three seed. And Houston will remain the four seed. And those are your top four seeds as they stand right now with the Broncos win over the Bengals last night. The five seed is Kansas City. I think they'll stay there. And the Jets, they are the six seed. And, you know, because they beat the Patriots and because Pittsburgh lost to Baltimore on Sunday, which is still just... A crazy loss to me, given what was at stake for Pittsburgh and given the opportunity they had combined with how good they were playing and how dominant they looked, especially offensively, to go along with the top 10 defense. I'm still shocked at that loss to the Ravens. But because of that and because the Jets beat the Patriots, uh, the Jets control their own destiny for a playoff spot with a win. They also could get in with the Pittsburgh loss. I look at Pittsburgh. uh, They play at 1-1. That is the same time that the Jets play. The Jets are in Buffalo, Pittsburgh. They are in Cleveland. I said Pittsburgh should beat Baltimore. They didn't do it, so I don't know that we could necessarily call this uh, a guaranteed win for the Steelers because of what happened last week. But a Pittsburgh win and a Jets loss to Buffalo, the Steelers will get in. But as I mentioned, the Jets really control their own destiny. So those are the six playoff teams in the AFC If the playoffs began today, the Patriots won, the Broncos two, the Bengals three, the Texans four, the Chiefs five, and the Jets six, which means that the Patriots, Broncos would get the first round by the Jets and they would go to Cincinnati to play the Bengals, the Chiefs, they would go to Houston to play the Texans and, um, you know, We'll we'll take a deeper look into week 17 tomorrow. Tomorrow is my last show of the week, my last podcast of the week. I will give you my entire week 17 NFL preview, and I'll give you my final week of Picks Picks, five games with the spread. Of course, Picks Picks for week 16 ended last night because I told you I took the Denver Broncos at minus three and a half when I made my picks last week. And I went into last night's game with a 1-3 and three record 
in Week 16 after being, you know, a- as hot as you could be making picks the previous two weeks, 9-1 and one combined in Weeks 14 and 15. But now, I look, I thought Denver would win. They did win in overtime, but they didn't cover. They needed to win by 3.5. They only won by 3, so it's a loss. And I went 1-4 and four in Week 16, which means my record now on the season is 38, 41, and 1. 38 wins, 41 losses, and 1 push. I still have one more week to get back to 500, so I'll make my picks and give them to you on tomorrow's podcast. But but let's take a look at this game last night because as a Patriot fan, you know, you're watching what Denver has. You're watching what Cincinnati has. Now, Cincinnati, Dalton has been out with the broken thumb and his throwing hand. We know that. So that gave A.J. McCarron an opportunity. And I thought McCarron was doing a nice job. I mean, they weren't afraid to have him throw the football downfield. That's for sure. He wasn't afraid to make the throw. And and he could execute. He executed it. I thought there were, you know, there were definitely times where A.J. McCarron made some big throws to A.J. Green where I'm thinking, man, uh, you know, I didn't know that McCarron had that in him, especially coming off the bench so ice cold, not having really played, uh, you know, with Andy Dalton in front of him. But McCarron was, I thought, was playing good enough, at least for me to sit back and say, well, look, we didn't necessarily feel confident with Andy Dalton as their quarterback in the playoffs. Like, we still had questions with that. So, you know, I, I don't think A.J. McCarron was going to take this Bengals team and lead them to a Super Bowl, but I, I don't know that you can just rule out Cincinnati because they lost Andy Dalton. We still had questions with Andy Dalton, and again, McCarron looked like he could throw the football downfield. He wasn't scared to do it, and the team wasn't scared to let him do it. But McCarron got injured last night. He's going to have an MRI on his non-throwing wrist, his left wrist. He injured it on the final play in overtime as they got to him, and he fumbled the snap, right? He lost the ball, and uh, Denver, they jumped all over it, and that was the game because the Broncos kicked a field goal. The Broncos won the overtime coin toss, and they decided to receive. What a crazy idea, huh? Deciding to receive the overtime coin toss. I, I get into that yesterday. You can go back and listen to yesterday's podcast if you want my thoughts on that. But, um, yeah, Denver wins the coin toss in overtime. They decide to receive. They get the ball. They drive it downfield. Demarius Thomas made a couple big catches on that drive. One-handed, one big-time one-handed catch for a first down as well. Look, Osweiler was playing injured. He got banged up early. This is a Broncos team at home that trailed this game 14-0. The Bengals took a 14-0 lead in the second quarter. Osweiler, the Broncos, they battled back, and this was a 17-17 game. The Broncos probably should have ended it in regulation at the end of the fourth quarter, right? McManus shanked a 45-yarder wide left at the end of the fourth, and it was a good snap. It was a good hold. Laces out. Nobody blocked it. There wasn't really much, you know, with regards to a guy. There wasn't anybody in his face, really. It was some good blocking in front of him, and he just pushed that baby wide left. As bad of a kick as I've ever seen in, in, in this league. So... You're wondering, you know, was Denver was obviously going for the touchdown because you get that touchdown, you end the game, and you don't even give the ball to the Bengals. But uh, they they had him kick it again, 
He kicked it. It was good. They took a 2017 lead. And, of course, with the McCarron fumble, Denver recovers in overtime, and the Broncos win, jumping back up to the two seed. We'll keep our eye on A.J. McCarron and the MRI that he's going to have on his non-throwing wrist. I mean, that's, that's terrible news because I told you how I feel about Dalton returning for Cincy. I don't think it is as much of a lock or guarantee as some other people think. The reporters, uh, you know, the, the t- even the team, even Andy Dalton himself, his coach, he broke his thumb on his throwing hand. We can talk about playing through pain all we want, but I think that's just the, that's the type of injury where playing through pain should be looked at a little bit differently. It's one thing if Dalton did something to his non-throwing shoulder, or even with A.J. McCarron, non-throwing wrist, right? He's not throwing with that hand the whole time. Maybe it's not bad. Maybe it's a sprain. Maybe, you know, if somehow, and and it is possible that Cincinnati uh, can get a first-round bye. Here's how they can do it. They have to beat Baltimore, which I think they should do. I said that about Pittsburgh. Uh, Beat Baltimore and... uh, Denver loss, but also they can do it with a Denver loss and a Kansas City win, right? So there are still ways in which Cincinnati can can clinch a first-round bye, and, and let's say they get that somehow. I mean, McCarron gets a week off. I think if it's just a sprain of the non-throwing wrist, I think he, he'd be more likely to play than Andy Dalton playing through pain on a broken thumb on his throwing hand. you got to make the throw. You can't just play through the pain. you know, you got to grip the football to be able to make a good throw. So there's a difference between playing through pain and playing through pain with, with a part of your body that's going to affect how you actually throw the football. I, I think it's different. And I'm not optimistic that Dalton returns. So I think since he needs Dalton. So you got to keep an eye on this one if you're a Bengal fan or even a, uh, just anybody who has a horse in the race here in the AFC. But that is how the AFC looked. Uh, a good game last night. I won't lie to you. I was back and forth between the Monday night game and Monday night raw. And, and the reason being is because Vince McMahon, they tweeted out last night, Vince McMahon was returning to Raw. And I'm an old-school WWF guy. WWE is what they call it now. So Vince McMahon, uh, I, I, he's hilarious. I love seeing him. And uh, I hope nobody took it seriously last night, though I think there were some that did when I tweeted out that Vince McMahon got arrested by the NYPD. No, they had Raw in Brooklyn. The It was part of the storyline, obviously. They come into the ring. Vince puts his hands on an NYPD officer, and Vince goes to jail. They get him out, and at the end, he comes back out with the Vince McMahon strut. Um, and uh, so I was back and forth with that. I did watch Raw last night because of Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Uh, tonight, we got a couple games on here locally, but let's get back to some football uh, because there are some other major stories in the football world. And, and you know the one I talked about yesterday – it's the Peyton Manning HGH thing. And I will say this. It is picking up steam, but I think it's picking up steam because some people, well, I don't, I don't want to say me personally, I'm the reason it's picking up steam, but people like myself that feel the way I feel about it, I think that's the reason it's picking up steam because 
we look back at Deflategate, and we look back at the response that the national media had to Deflategate right away, by the way, when there was no real clear-cut evidence. You know, or at least there was nothing that made you look at someone and say, he's guilty, that he's guilty, he's guilty. There just wasn't enough to say that, yet everybody said that about Tom Brady. I went off on this on yesterday's podcast. I even gave you the audio of Peyton Manning's denial when he did the one-on-one interview. Then I gave you the audio of the ESPN NFL countdown crew when they reacted to the Peyton Manning denial right away, which was just a laughable reaction based on how you look at all the reaction to the Tom Brady press conference. I So I played Mock Brunel's audio for you yesterday too just to try to compare the reactions from the national media, from former players, from current analysts who just crushed Tom Brady with little to no evidence and refused to do the same with Peyton Manning with little to no evidence. And and the, the one point that I had yesterday was, if you just take the two situations and line them up against the wall, deflating footballs illegally somehow in the bathroom, taking them down a couple PSIs, and then the other situation being um, a, a pro athlete in his mid to late 30s returning from neck surgery who's very competitive, who wants to get back out of the field, finding a way to take HGH. What would be the more probable, and I use that phrase lightly because, you know, more probable than not, what would be the more probable storyline like, what would be the one, out of those two storylines, what would be the one that you believe the most? Just generically, with, with no player's name attached to it. I'd say the one I believe the most is the HGH one. So, it's laughable to me that there is such a drastic difference in the national media's response to what to how they felt about Tom Brady and Deflategate before they had any real evidence, and they they crushed him, and they did not care about his family at all when they did that, and they did not care about his legacy and how they are treating the Peyton Manning stuff and reacting to him and defending him and believing everything that comes out of his mouth, believing his denial. They didn't believe Brady's, but they believe Peyton's right away. Um, they are really trying to come out and say, you know, care that they really do care about Peyton Manning's family, almost as if Tom Brady didn't have a family. Tom Brady has a family. The man has a family. You should care about it uh, just as much and the legacies. People care about Peyton Manning's legacy and protecting that more than they do about Tom Brady's. I don't, me personally, Peyton Manning wants to take HGH, take HGH. I said it yesterday. Go back, listen to yesterday's podcast. Because I just accept the fact that a lot of pro athletes do things, especially when you're as competitive as that, to get back on the field uh, and and really to just get that competitive edge. And, and where the story comes out now, you know, you're hearing, I, I think there's a little bit more pushback from people like myself who are wondering why the responses from the national media are so drastically different. And, you know, someone who I completely agree with, we're on the same page, and we've really been on the same page with this stuff the, the whole way through, going back to the Flakegate, is El Prez from Boston Sports. You know, he keeps tweeting out about it, and I agree with everything he says. You know, we share the same uh, thoughts on this Peyton Manning stuff. It's we don't give a shit that Peyton Manning would be taking HGH. Or we, I'm not going to sit here and crucify him and call him a cheater, this, that, the other thing. But what fires, uh, fires us up is we had to sit there now for the last 10, 11 months, the last year, 
and and even before the Wells report came out. And not to say that the Wells report had real evidence, because in fact, you know, the NFL and the NFL's lawyers in the courtroom with Judge Richard Berman, when they were asked, do you have any direct evidence that implicates Tom Brady either knew about this or had something to do with the deflation of footballs? And the NFL even admitted, their lawyer admitted, no, we don't have such direct evidence. So you can't even say they have evidence with the Wells report. But forget about the Wells report. Go back to before the Wells report, right? Four days after the AFC Championship, when Brady gives a press conference, anybody and their mother could have gone, get a media pass, and ask them stupid questions. Like the news people that show up and they're like, well, Tom, 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 uh, what do you have to say to the fans? Like, that's your question? What do you have to say to the fans? So basically, you're coming out at the press conference calling him a cheetah when you have no evidence of it. And the national media crushed him. Mark Brunel was crying on TV with two perfectly pumped PSI footballs tucked underneath his arms. And I'm convinced he sleeps with them at night. Uh, you know, it just was insane. The difference in the reaction to the Tom Brady stuff to the reaction now to Peyton Manning, HGH. And and for people like El Prez and myself, I, I feel like we're on the same page when we say, look, this isn't about Ultimately, this isn't about Peyton, did he take HGH, did he not take HGH, okay? What it's about is everybody set the precedent. The national media, the NFL, you set the tone for something like this. In fact, the NFL came out and said they treat the PSI in a football like PEDs. So if you have a story, and I will say from a credible news organization. I mean, go check out some of the stuff they've done. Then This isn't a tabloid. They're not out making shit up. And as I'm about to get to, it's pretty clear that Al Jazeera America is, you know, they're pretty proud of their reporting. And they're going to do everything they can, it looks like, to back that up. And I think that's a bad thing for Peyton Manning's camp if they want to keep fighting this. I really do. I, it, it's, it looks like this could get bad for Peyton if they want to keep fighting. Um, but I'll, I'll get to that in just a second. But, I mean, we don't care that, that Peyton Manning, if he took HGH or he didn't. Uh, what we care about is the precedent that was set by the NFL and by the national media and the reaction that they had and the carelessness that they had and, and, and I just, I don't even want people to come out and say, I think Peyton did it. I'm not even asking for people to come out and, and say that I believe the story, I believe this, I believe that. What I want, I just want dialogue. Like, I don't want, I played it for you yesterday. It's about an hour and eight minutes in. I think 68 minutes, 20 seconds into yesterday's podcast. I give you the NFL countdown crew, Tom Jackson, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, uh, who else is Ditka, Mike Ditka. Chris Carter, I played their reaction. They came on right after Peyton Manning gave his one-on-one. That was fresh to them. And they reacted to it. And they all said, well, we believe what he says. There's no way this could happen. Like, I, I, I can't wrap my brain around that. So when we see that reaction compared to what the reaction was to Tom Brady, with both the same things, little to no evidence. And by the way, when you compare the two situations, the HGH story is more believable than a PSI deflating football story. It is. In the real world... In the real professional sports world, it is. And they reacted completely different. But they set a precedent. We, 
I, I, you know, you can't just let it go. You, you can't just let it go when you wouldn't let go something that was so stupid that you still to this day have no direct evidence of. So, I mean, you didn't care about Tonish and Tom Brady's legacy. But you can't so much about Peyton Manning's. You, you can't have it both ways. And, and people like myself, we don't want it both ways. Right? It's got to be one way. And you set the precedent. So all I'm asking for is a little dialogue. I'm asking for a little real-life conversation and real-life analysis, especially with former players, to know that there are other players who are taking supplements and, P- and, and PEDs and things that are going to help get you back on the field, get you back over the top. I mean... I'm not telling you Peyton Manning took HGH. What I'm telling you is this is a story that you need to take more seriously than you than they did. It, it is. It's like they just said, no way, Peyton wouldn't do something like this. He's got a family. We love his family. He's one of the best of all time. He would never do it. Why didn't you feel like that about Tom Brady? I don't understand it. You can't have it both ways. You, you set the tone already. You got to stick to that tone. And again, I don't care about the I don't care that he took it. I just want, you just need to give me some analysis that is a little bit better than, let's just move on from this. Nothing to see here. Well, because the more Peyton Manning and the more the Gaia Clinic, who allegedly and um, I don't want to say apparently, but allegedly sent some of this HGH to Peyton Manning's wife, which I don't think anybody's denied that it's gone to his wife, right? But this Gaia Clinic, they came out, they argued, they fought it. Peyton's, uh, his agent or his lawyer, uh, the Colts, the Broncos, Ari Fleischer, the guy that Peyton Manning just hired to, to help fight this with him. They all came out, the guy at clinic, they said, guess what? Uh, This guy, Charlie Sly, who said all this stuff about Peyton Manning and his wife receiving HGH, the guy at clinic has come out and said he didn't even work for the guy at clinic, that Charlie Sly didn't even work for the guy at clinic in 2011. He worked there in 2013. By that point, Peyton and his wife were already gone to Colorado. They already went to Denver. So this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's lying because the timeline does not show that the timeline does not show that Charlie Sly worked for the Gaia Clinic when he says he did. And when he when he says the HGH supplements were shipped to the Manning family. So he's obviously lying if he didn't work there. He has no idea. They came out, they they're trying to fight it. That's what they said. But guess what? I mentioned earlier. Al Jazeera, you know, people who question their credibility, like a Mike Ditka, as I played that audio for you yesterday, where he said Al Jazeera is garbage, all they do is make stuff up, they stir it up, they have no credibility. Uh, Mike Ditka needs to learn what the internet is, and he needs to go search some of the stories that they have on Al Jazeera. One. Uh, two, Al Jazeera... They care about their credibility. And when somebody like that, and even now, the uh, uh, the Gaia Clinic, the place that is in the center of this whole investigation, they're going to come and they're going to dispute this report and they're going to knock the credibility of Al Jazeera essentially by disputing the report. Guess what Al Jazeera is going to do? You think, and I said this yesterday, you think Al Jazeera doesn't have something up their sleeve? 
You think they have nothing up their sleeve? Oh, they got something up their sleeve. And here's the latest thing that they've released. I'm going to play the audio for you. But basically, they have a video to go with audio that confirms the Gaia Clinic in their latest statement is lying about when Charlie Sly worked there. I told you, the Gaia Clinic is saying that Charlie Sly worked there in 2013, not 2011. So he can't be telling the truth if he didn't work there in 11. 2011, that's when they said the Mannings received the HGH. That's when Peyton Manning was out for his entire season after neck surgeries, right? Guess what Al Jazeera did? They have video, they have audio of a phone call with them calling the guy at clinic. This was when they, I assume, were originally doing their reporting. They have video and audio of that, of Gaia Clinic confirming that Charlie Sly did actually work there in 2011. (laughs) And I don't think anybody at the Gaia Clinic thought that that would be recorded, but Al Jazeera had it in their back pocket. They said, oh, you want to fire back at us? You want to question our reporting? Everybody wants to say that we have no credibility? How's this for you? The guy who has more credibility now at this point, and we are only in the very early stages of this. Who has more credibility right now? The Gaia Clinic? Okay? Or Al Jazeera? Because right now it looks like not as Charlie Sly, not only is he caught in a lie, because Charlie Sly was saying stuff on messages that were recorded that shouldn't have been recorded, right? And once he found out they were recorded being released, he said, oh, and none of the stuff I said was true. Well, uh, you, sh- you should have thought about that when you were saying it when you didn't know stuff was being recorded. Then you got the Gaia Clinic coming out and saying that he worked there in 2013, so this can't be true, and it turns out they're lying, and Al Jazeera has released the video and the audio to prove that the Gaia Clinic is lying, giving Al Jazeera ultimately here more credibility than anybody that wants to talk about this story. Here's the video. Here's the audio. They released it yesterday, last night. I'll let you listen, and then I'll respond to it. And more than 27 hours of recorded conversations, Sly gradually opened up about his contacts with athletes. Statements he now denies. His most controversial allegation is that when he did part of his pharmacy training at an anti-aging clinic in Indianapolis, human growth hormone was shipped to Peyton Manning's wife. And all the time we would be sending Ashley Manning drugs, like a growth hormone all the time, everywhere, Florida, It would never be under Peyton's name. It would always be under her name. Since then, the clinic has claimed Sly was only there in 2013, after the Mannings moved away to Colorado, not 2011, as Al Jazeera originally reported. Now Al Jazeera is releasing the phone call we made almost a month ago to confirm the dates of Sly's rotation. Thank you for calling the Geyer Institute of Molecular Medicine. This is Heather. Can I help you? Oh, hello, Heather. I wonder if you can. Yes, I need to do an employment verification on a gentleman called Charles Sly. Yes. He's a pharmacist, and I believe he did a rotation with you. Is, is that right? Do you know yes, him? Did, yes, Uh-huh. Could you possibly give me the precise dates? Um, I can. It'll be just a minute. Thank you. Uh-huh. Remain on the line. A representative will assist you momentarily. The start date we have where he, we signed for him was 10-17 of 11. Sorry, 10-17-11. Okay. And do you know how long he stayed with you? Um, I think he said this for a, mo- a couple months, like three months maybe. Great. All right, that's great. It sounds like you know him then. 
Yes, I knew him when he was here. That was a month ago. Now Dr Dale Geyer, who never responded to Al Jazeera's request for comment, says Charlie Sly has fabricated his whole story. Sly says everything he said when he didn't know he was being recorded was untrue. Peyton Manning has issued his own angry denial, saying he's never used performance-enhancing drugs. However, the allegation in the programme, the growth hormone was shipped from the Gaia Clinic to Ashley Manning, has not been denied by either Peyton Manning or the clinic. All right, so there you go. Um, it is pretty clear here that Al Jazeera, as I said, is going to fight back to defend their reporting. And no better example than this. And I, I said it yesterday. They definitely, for the people that are going to knock them, they knew this was going to come at them. And I guarantee you they have recorded things and they have documented things that the Gaia Clinic doesn't know about, that Charlie Sly doesn't know about, that Peyton Manning doesn't know about, that Ari fucking Fleischer doesn't know about. Al Jazeera didn't just go into this fight. Al Jazeera didn't go into this fight with no ammo. They went into this fight, and I guarantee you, they have stuff that's ready to come out when people attack or people fight back. You, I know they do. This is just one example. If you think that's all they have, well, I think you need to think a little bit more about that. And I think Peyton Manning might need to think a little bit more about how much he's going to actually fight this. And I think the national media needs to think a little bit more about how they're going to handle this story instead of just saying, because now... Now the national media is sort of in defense mode, right? They're, they're like, well, we didn't take it seriously at first, and now there's stuff like this coming out, which uh, makes us kind of look bad for not taking it serious. So now they're going to try to find ways to, 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 to basically make themselves look good and defend themselves as to why they didn't take it seriously. And, and, and throughout the process, they're just going to try to defend Peyton Manning. Uh, but look, I, again, me personally, I don't care that Peyton Manning took HGH to come back from a neck injury. I mean, I'm not surprised if he did. I told you, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. I think there's a lot of guys who take some stuff. Again, they didn't test for HGH in 2011, so I'm not going to get too worked up about it, but this idea that we should just all believe Peyton Manning because he denies an accusation where we just, everybody just crushed Tom Brady for de- when he denied an accusation. It's just, it's laughable how drastically different the national media reactions have been. I, I really do advise you to go back to yesterday's podcast and listen to the audio of the ESPN crew. And I even gave you the mock Brunel audio just right after Tom Brady's press conference four days after last year's AFC championship. I mean, you can't make this shit up. The, how different it is and the two names that are involved and the type of the scandals that these are in a perfect world. In my perfect world, the flake would not have been a big story and this Peyton Manning HGH story, I wouldn't be asking for major coverage. But again, you gave us the major coverage on one guy and I just think you're out of line if you're going to you know, for a full year, continue to crush a quarterback with no evidence who has more championships than one guy, you're going to do that, and then you're not going to crush this guy who is involved in obviously some type of, 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 of scandal. It is. 
And the more Al Jazeera has to fight back here, I think the, the uglier this is going to get for Peyton Manning. And uh, I guess I just will sit back and, and wonder at what point is the national media going to get involved uh, with regards to national sports media and the analysts and the former players and the guys that are so friendly with Peyton Manning, the guys that care about Peyton Manning's family so much, right? When are they going to get involved in this? that's why it drives us crazy here in New England. You know, we just had to live through, and it's not over yet. That's the crazy part. The Brady stuff isn't over yet. They have the NFL's appeal the first week of March. So, I mean, Roger Goodell, judge, jury, executioner. What's the deal? I get it. You're friendly with the Manning family, but that shouldn't mean shit. It shouldn't. You know, if it turns out, you find out, this is a bullshit story, nothing happened, then so be it. Move on. But the fact that some people have ruled it out as quickly as they've ruled it out is just mind-blowing stuff, considering the fact that they've spent the last year crushing Tom Brady when the NFL has even admitted there is no direct evidence that implicates him in Deflategate. So, um it's nuts, but that's where we stand. Al Jazeera is fighting back, and I don't think you've seen the end of them fighting back to defend their credibility. I think they have more up their sleeve. I think this is just the beginning of it. So we'll sit back, see when the national sports media wants to get involved. Now, the other NFL story is I mentioned the Johnny Manziel meeting that he's going to have with Cleveland Browns coach Mike Pettin. When Johnny Manziel, a couple weeks ago, was named the starting quarterback and then got that pulled away from him before they gave it back to him again. But, you know, what did they have? Their bye week late in the season. He was named the quarterback. You basically just said, all right, what's he going to do in his bye week? You know, you're going to study up. You're going to prepare. You're going to mentally prepare. You're the quarterback on the Cleveland Browns now. They've officially given you the keys to the car. He was out, there was a video of him partying, and um, the Browns didn't like that. And, and while usually, I've told you many times, I don't get worked up about professional athletes, especially the younger ones who have a whole lot of money, who are superstar players, big names, that go out, have a couple drinks, sometimes they, they, they're dancing, they look like they're having a little too much fun, having a good time. I don't get worked up about that. I don't, I don't come out on, the sh- on my show or in columns. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a media hero. I'm not going to just start crucifying guys for having a good time on their off days or off weeks. I'm just not going to do it. It happens. But I do think there is a time and a place for when you might need to just do everything you can to tone it down. And in Johnny Manziel's situation, given the fact that we were already – questioning potential domestic stuff. Remember that car with his girlfriend? He got pulled over. There's that video of them yelling at each other. Again, I, I, if you saw the video and heard what was being said, I don't know where that is going to go or where we should take it, to be honest. But um, it was a situation that involved law enforcement, that involved him and his girlfriend in a car, that involved drinking, and none of those things together are a good thing. You don't ever want all those things in a story with your name in it as well. Like, you just don't want that. 
you, all the things that you don't want in a story, though all of those things combined never ends good. So if you're Johnny Manziel, even with that, especially with that, you're given the keys to the car. You had the bye week. Just take a weekend off. Don't go partying. Lay low. Stay home. Watch a movie. Uh, you know, you, you want to you wanna do something? Have a couple friends over? Have a couple drinks? All right. You, you can pay a bodyguard. Stand up front. Make sure everybody puts their cell phones in, in a plastic bag or in a bucket and nobody can use them. And that's that. Play a couple drinking games. Whatever you're going to do. But there's ways to do it and have stuff not get out. And I think Johnny Manziel just picked a bad spot. And and for the Browns to be upset with that after they named him the quarterback and they had a bye week and there's video of him partying, yeah, I can understand Cleveland being upset with that. Especially Mike Pettin didn't actually want to make him the quarterback anyways. But I think that was a an organizational decision. I think it was the right one, but I don't think it came from Mike Pettin just based on what we had seen. I mean, Johnny Manziel won a game early in the season and then they put McCown back in. And I'm going, why would you do that? They both have the same amount of wins. They both have one win. Manziel has potential to beat your future quarterback. McCown does not. So why are you going back to McCown? You get no shot of making the playoffs. It just didn't make sense to me. But So it was clear that Pettin didn't even want to name Manziel the starter, but I think the front office came down and said, no, 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 no. You make Manziel the starter. You got the bye week. And what does he do? You know, he goes out. And, and is on video partying. And I think, given the situation, given the time and the place, Cleveland had a right to be upset. They bench him, but a, a couple weeks later, they make him the starter once again, and he's been the starter now for a couple weeks. And uh, look, the Browns are down and out of it. Um, they only have three wins. They're 3-12. and 12. They will play Pittsburgh Sunday at 1 o'clock. And uh, yesterday... A video surfaced of Johnny Manziel drinking, singing, dancing. It was a 10-second video. And I'm on Twitter, and all I keep reading is a phrase to go along with it where they're calling it a potty video. They're calling this a potty video. I, I recommend that you go search this video from Johnny Manziel that we saw yesterday. What was it, a Vine? Whatever it was, it was 10 seconds. And reportedly now, because this video got out, Cleveland Browns coach Mike Pettin is scheduled to meet with Johnny Manziel about this quote-unquote potty video. Now, when you hear that, you say, what is the kid doing? Can't, just for a couple weeks, can't you just lay low? You want to go potty? Go potty in the offseason. Go ahead. What are you doing to yourself? You got talent, but you're not going to give yourself a chance to prove it if you keep coming out with videos of you pottying once they hand you the keys to the car. Especially where the coach doesn't really want to do that anyways. So, at first you hear about this video, you go, what are you doing? Then you have, but you have to Google the video. You got to watch the video. You can't just read NBC Sports tweet. Oh, Manziel's going to be in trouble uh, for a potty video. Potty video? That's what we're calling this thing? Are we serious? A potty video. Watch the video. It's a 10 second selfie from Manziel. Selfie, video, vine, whatever you want to call it. He's got the phone in one hand, showing himself. He's wearing an ugly Christmas sweater. Okay? 
I actually think it's one of the ugly Christmas sweaters from Barstool Sports, to be honest. He's wearing that sweater, and he's got a drink in his other hand, and he's singing to a song by Future. It's a rap song. Um, and then he also flashes the camera to one of his buddies who, what are they drinking? Someone said they're drinking Four Loco, which is a crazy drink. Anyways, um, but they're drinking these, whatever they're drinking, they're, they're alcoholic beverages. Ooh, alcoholic beverages uh, at a Christmas party. But it's not even a party. I mean, I see this video. He's got a Christmas sweater on. His buddy is in it. They're drinking. They're playing a future song. But you see the video end, and it sort of pans off them. They look like they're the only two people in the house. There's a pool table next to them. He gives the the dab at the end of it. You know, the Cam Newton sort of made this. And I don't. here's what I don't like about the dab is now every NFL player is doing it. And uh, I don't know the first NFL player to do it, but I can tell you that Cam Newton's been doing it for a while after first down celebrations. You know, he gives the dab, then he gives the two-handed point. I consider it the Cam Newton celebration. Now everybody's using it. I don't like that. See, here's where I think you can use it. If you're playing against them, you you have a big score or a big play, and you're winning the ball game, or you're about to win the ball game, right? You better be, you better be damn sure you're winning that game if you're going to steal someone's celebration. But if you're going to steal someone's celebration, you better steal it when you're playing against them and almost winning or have a chance to win. Actually, you better be you better know deep down inside you're going to win. You better win when you're stealing the celebration. That's that's the NFL player that I'd be if I was like this big superstar quarterback. I would make sure I knew. A player on the other team, if he had a celebration, I'd be ready for it, but it needs to be at the right time. Time and a place for it, but it would be against them. And it would be only if it's a big enough play that would sort of, I guess, either seal the deal on a win or let it be known that you take a lead and you got a very good chance to win. And I don't like how players in a league now are all doing it. So Manziel's doing it in his video, at a Christmas party, but it's not even a party. There's only two kids there. Yeah, they're drinking, but I mean, come on. There's a pool table there. The house looks empty. He gives the dab. It's 10 seconds. Are we really calling this a party video? And does this really need a coach to play a meeting, one-on-one meeting? My answer to this is no. I think we need to relax. This is a kid who took a vine, singing a rap song he likes, doing a dance movie he enjoys, drinking a beverage he thinks tastes pretty good, gets some feeling good, in a setting that I do not consider a party setting. Pool table, a friend, a rap song, a Christmas sweater. It just didn't have a party feel to it. So I don't know why some of these fucking nerds come out on Twitter and are calling it a party video. You call that a party video? I hope you never see some of the videos on my fucking phone. I tell you that, if you're calling that a party video, <laughs> holy shit, what, are we, what is going, it's not a party video, unless there's some of the video that I'm not seeing, that is not a party video, and does not, that should, the, this should not be an issue, this should be an as you were moment, let's move on, it's not going to happen, but it should be, it should happen, we'll move on from it, because it's so stupid, it's going to be 2016, and I got news for you. As we move on and technology gets better, and the more that we get these video applications, 
more and more young players are going to be doing stuff on their phones and taking videos. I, I think we, I sometimes I think we judge this stuff a little bit too crazy. We need to, we need to relax here, people. Calling out a party video again, unless there's some video I didn't see yet. That that one I'm talking about that's going around on the internet, that's going on Twitter. You consider that a party video? You've never been to a party. That's the bottom line. If you consider the Johnny Manziel video, the 10-second one where he's singing Future, drinking a beverage next to a pool table, giving the dab, doing the dab dance with a buddy of his, you think that's a party video, you need to go to a party. I recommend you go have a good time this weekend. Find a party somewhere. I'll help you find one. I'll help you find one. We'll get you to a party. Right? We will. And believe me, you'll have a much better time probably at your party than what it looked like was going on in that video with Johnny Manziel. But it leads us to assume all this other stuff was going on in the background, and I'm just not so sure it was at that moment. I mean, let the fucking kid live, would you? Man, sometimes people can be ridiculous. And I think in this situation, again, unless I see another video, this one video with Sean, people are being ridiculous. Go go find a party. Please. So, that's NFL news of the day. Football, I mentioned the college football playoff lines are out. Number four, Oklahoma. This is the biggest surprise here. The spreads are out. Number four, Oklahoma is favored by three and a half points over the number one team in the country, Clemson. That in the semifinal college football playoff game, the number four team in the country, Oklahoma, is a favorite. And this is the first time all season that Clemson is an underdog, according to Vegas, according to the spreads in Vegas. Oklahoma, a three-and-a-half-point favorite over the number one team in the country. It's four versus one, then it's two versus three. Uh, to give you a vibe of two versus three, number two Alabama is a nine and a half point favorite to beat number three Michigan State. Now, I think nine and a half is too high, but I'm okay if you want to make Alabama the favorite. They're the number two seed. Michigan State's the number three seed, right? I don't think Oklahoma should be favored by three and a half points. I don't think they should be favored at all. If anything, it should be Clemson minus three. Clemson minus three. If you had asked me, going into this college football playoff, knowing the seeding, one through four, what the spread would be in the Clemson-Oklahoma game, Clemson number one team, Oklahoma number four, I would guess Clemson would be a three-point favorite. Minus three, right away, off the bat, automatic. Crazy that number four Oklahoma is favored by three and a half. Forget about the three and a half, just favored at all. I think that's nuts. Alabama, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite over Michigan State. I think that's high. I think this should probably be around five or six, but it's nine-and-a-half. So those games on New Year's Eve, and um, I will be watching those. New Year's Eve morning, I'm going to be on WEI 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., filling in for Dennis and Callahan. And then, actually, tonight I'm on WEI as well on this Tuesday night, 10 to midnight. So make sure you tune in to that. We'll be taking your phone calls all night long, at least the two hours that I have from 10 to midnight uh, on 93.7 FM WEI here in Boston. You can also listen online and on their app. 
But uh, moving on from football, Major League Baseball, the other biggest story yesterday was the Yankees. They trade for Araldis Chapman. Like, the Yankees need another reliever. They trade for Araldis Chapman. They give up four minor leaguers. Now, from what I see, and, and I'm not, I don't know everything about the Yankees' farm system. I do know that Luis Severino, the starting pitcher that got called up at the end of the season, he was someone that teams had on their list, the teams were asking for, right? The Yankees could have made that trade, I believe, to what? get To possibly get David Price. They wouldn't give him up. Uh, and Severino looks like a good, young, talented power pitcher. But, you know, he gets called up, so he's not technically a top prospect. The Yankees trade four minor leaguers. From what I see, one is a top 10 in their organization. One. But but still, you know, if people should not be comparing the Kimbrel deal and what the Red Sox gave up to the Yankee deal with Chapman and what the Yankees gave up to Cincinnati to get around this Chapman. Because there are some other things at play here. One, Craig Kimbrell is under contract for the next three years. He's the same age as Araldis Chapman. They're both 27, right? Craig Kimbrell is under contract for the next three seasons. That is huge. Araldis Chapman is only under contract for one season. He's a free agent after 2016. So the Yankees potentially could be trading four minor leaguers to get a guy in their bullpen for only one year. Now, if anybody's got the money to pay him and bring him back, certainly it's New York. But still, that is a factor as to why, you know, you're not going to give up the same package to get Chapman that you gave up to get Kimbrell. Uh, The other issue here that is sort of lingering, and it's the cloud hanging over Chapman's head, is that Aroldis Chapman faces potential suspension because he is still under investigation for domestic assault, right? Now... I don't know what's going to happen with this. I'm not going to sit here and assume what's going to happen to it because I don't have all the evidence and we, I don't think we have all the facts. So we'll let that play out. But it is certainly something to keep an eye out for because he could face, again, a potential suspension. So, I mean, you factor in those things. There's no way you can compare the package the Red Sox gave up for Kimbrell and the package the Yankees gave up for Araldis Chapman. But if you just want to look at 2016 and you want to look at maybe from July to September or through October, you you want to compare what the Yankees bullpen has to what the Red Sox bullpen has. You know how much I love Kimbrell. I'll take Kimbrell over Chapman, especially given those circumstances that I just mentioned, the contract and the issues that Chapman is facing. I'll take Kimbrell any day of the week, even with skill. I mean, Kimbrell, I think, is, if he's not the best, he's the second-best closer in baseball. But uh, with that being said, the Yankees' bullpen was the best bullpen before Chapman got there. You add Chapman to the mix— of Andrew Miller and Dellen Betances, it was a seven game, a seven inning game before they got Chapman. Now what is it? A, a six inning game? So I mean, it's a huge move for the Yankees, and I think it's one that they will ultimately benefit from. Because you know, this is if they keep Miller. There were rumors that they were shopping Miller. I don't know if they're still going to do that. I don't know if they shot Miller to get a starting pitcher. That's what the Red Sox did. They shot Miller to Baltimore uh, to get Eduardo Rodriguez. Turned out to to land the Red Sox a pretty damn good young starting pitcher in Eddie Rodriguez. I don't know if the Yankees are looking to do something similar. Uh, Andrew Miller is under a big contract that the Yankees just gave him. You know, they 
they really could, I think they should keep him. I mean, they got the money to keep him. I think they should keep him. But if they think they can go out and package some type of deal that lands them a starting pitching, then so be it. But uh, right now, I don't want to compare the Yankee bullpen really to anyone else because I, I thought it was the best before Chapman. Clearly, Chapman makes it even better. That's scary. You got to face um, Batances. What, what would it be? Batances, Miller, Chapman, Miller, Batances, Chapman. Chapman be the closer? I mean, maybe at some point you see Miller still a closer with Chapman in the eighth, Patantis in the seventh. It's just, it's downright scary when you think what the Yankees will have if they have a lead late in a game. I mean, look, the Red Sox have something pretty good right now too, but I rely on Patantis and Miller more than I, at this point, rely on Koji Uihara, who still has to prove to me that he can return and pitch at a dominant level. I'm just not so, I'm not sold that he can do that right now but uh, we'll we'll have to wait and see. But to to compare the two bullpens or to compare the Yankee bullpen to anyone in the league, I can't do that. I love the Yankee bullpen when they didn't have Chapman. Now that they add him, it's it's downright scary. So a great move for the Yankees. Cincinnati. We'll have to see what they do with all these prospects and all these pieces that they've acquired. So um. We'll keep an eye on the Major League Baseball offseason. Anything happens here, and it still can happen in the next month or so, uh, I will react to it. Little update for you. Um, I'm trying to set the schedule for 2016. Again, I'm only here till Wednesday of this week, tomorrow of this week. And then after that, Thursday I'm on WEI, New Year's Eve morning. I won't return to this podcast till next Monday, but... Uh, to begin the new year and be- to begin the first week of the new year, I have a huge guest coming on next week that I have finalized in the last 24 hours, and it is baseball-related. So um, a, a huge guest to begin 2016. We'll begin it on the right foot. Uh, but uh, tomorrow I will, gi- I will give you my picks, 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 five games with the spread in the NFL, the final Picks, picks of the regular season. We'll get into the postseason when we get there, but um, to get back to 500 in the regular season, I'm going to need a big week, but we're going to do it tomorrow, and I'll give you my week 17 preview in the NFL. So we'll do that and close out the week on this podcast tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe to the Danny Picard Show on iTunes, also on Stitcher, Tune in, really any app that you can get podcasts on. The Danny Picard Show is available. Just download the free podcast app and search The Danny Picard Show. You can also listen at dannypicard.com. Also, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all forms of social media. I am out. I'll talk to you tomorrow.